Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties Too. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. This episode features one of the three guests who were part of my weekly hour-long NPR show, broadcast over the air every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it is broadcast continuously for 15 years. This show is about dogs, cats, and other creatures who share the planet with us. Please check out my other Pet Talk podcasts at tracyhotchnerpets.com. I'm also the founder and director of the annual New York Dog Film Festival, which travels the country supporting local animal welfare groups after a New York City premiere every October, alongside my annual New York Cat Film Festival, brought to you by Dr. Elsie's. This show would not be possible without the longtime support of Waruva, the pet food company founded and privately run by David Foreman, who named it after his rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa. Waruva is a quirky name for a company with whimsical names for the dozens of different cans and pouches of cat food they make. But what sets them apart is how serious David is about high-quality nutrition. They were the first pet food company to use human edible ingredients and process them in the same facilities that make human food, remaining privately owned and run, accountable only to their own high standards. This show was also made possible with the generous support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Bruce Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian. He personally created many styles of litter to make sure that even the fussiest cats would not have out-of-litter box problems, the number one reason people abandon their cats. Dr. Elsie also created his own brand of cat food called Clean Protein, the first dry cat food I can recommend because it's based on the protein found in a cat's natural prey. I'm also grateful to Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, where they create holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. Earth Animal makes a dazzling array of healing products for dogs and cats, as well as the innovative dog chew, no hide, and the hybrid dry food wisdom, which is sometimes all that my picky Weimaran or Maisie will eat. I couldn't think of who would be the very best person to make the announcement of the sixth annual New York Cat Film Festival with who could be better than the premier filmmaker, honestly, truly premier filmmaker of this premiere, but also of all of the Cat Film Festivals. Kim Best won a very special Visionary Award last year because in every single iteration of the Cat Film Festival, she has had one and sometimes two films. The New York Times has interviewed her about it because she really is amazing. And I thought, okay, let's see what happens this year. And I really do try to keep my eyes closed as much as one can when looking at film submissions, but I don't look at who made them. I just look at, do they mean something? Do they tickle me? Do they inspire me? Are they, are people going to laugh and cry and care? And Kim, congratulations. You have two films in the film festival again on October 21st at noon at the Village East Theater. So 
I'm very excited that I get to celebrate you again and that everybody gets to see the greatness of you and your kitty and your vision of people and their cats. I guess it would be good to go back to year one when we didn't know each other and you hadn't come, by the way, to every film festival, which is also remarkable because Kim lives in North Carolina, not the Upper East Side or something. And it's really great, your devotion to our enterprise. I think of it as ours now because you're such a part of it. How did you first learn about it? Uh, well, I had done a couple of films uh, having to do with cats because I just love cats and they're such an inspiration emotionally um, and spiritually and aesthetically in every way. So um, I actually was looking for film festivals that I could share some of my little works with, and I happened upon the New York Cat Film Festival. I saw also that the New York Dog Festival had been in existence for two years before that, and so it seemed to be, uh, you know, having a good anchor and moving forward, and I was hopeful that the Cat Film Festival uh, that had emerged would have the same trajectory. Well, that was really smart on your part to think, well, okay, but what if this is some kind of, I don't know, fly-by-night or, or sort of non-professional enterprise. And I must tell you that if it weren't for Dr. Elsie's, the Precious Cat Company, there would have been no Cat Film Festival. I would never have dreamed in my wildest dreams that people had made, could make, would make, wanted to make actual films about cats. As you and I have talked about in the past on this show, and as I've pointed out to people all the time, this is not cat videos. Cat videos are about laughing at cats. That's my view of America's funniest videos, whether it's about animals or people. There's always a sense of mockery about it. People or the animals doing something foolish or embarrassing or, or self-shaming or what have you. This was films made by people who had an intention to set out and make a short film that celebrated the felines in some way. And sometimes they're documentaries about TNR and rescue. They're still very much films, right? And if Dr. Elsie's hadn't said, well, Gina at Dr. Elsie's, who you will meet this year, by the way, Kim, Gina is flying in from Colorado. She was the absolute motivator. She was the head of marketing at Dr. Elsie's for a very long time. And she said, did you see the movie Keddie? which I think you and I had talked about at one point, K-E-D-I, fabulous documentary about cats in, it was either Istanbul or somewhere in Turkey. It was charming. It didn't have much point to it other than the cats and the people kind of coexisted. It didn't have an intention other than just showing you that. And I said, yeah, it was really good, but I, I don't think there's any other movies like that that have been made. And anyway, we need short films. She said, we'll back you. If you can build it, they will come. And you, I think, were the very first submission of a film. And I saw your film and I thought, yes, this can happen. And you keep coming up with original, interesting, organic ideas about your cats and how they think and, and how we think about them. And I, I feel very lucky to have tapped into this passion you have for cats, but this creative vision where you keep reinventing 
ways in which to show cats through film and funny, always funny. You've been there. You've heard the audience laugh. It's not just me who gets tickled by it. So what? how would you inspire other people to express their love of cats in general or their own cats through film? Because you're a professional filmmaker and your films always have that patina of a real professional. But lots of people do things on their iPhone. They do very, you know, amateurish in the best sense of the word, just I think I'll try this kind of thing. What would you tell people about how to do how to do what you do in their own way? Well, I would say my background has been doing documentaries and so that's what I first was sort of um oh concentrated on my first couple of short films for your festival for the New York Cat Festival were documentaries. And um so it's a matter of telling a story, and which involved human beings for the most part. But um, it, to the extent that people, some people like to try the documentary style, you know, that I would say go for it. Because actually, looking back on it, I've over the years now I have created or, or had um, a sense of community with a lot of different people. The people I worked with for my first film, Mittens from Kittens, where a woman um, was able to weave cats or things. Um, it persists. I'm still in contact with her. Nice. Um, little works of art about this American house cat in Silva. Um, I'm still watching what they're doing. They have expanded and they continue with their cat rescue operation there. So there, there are other documentaries as well where I remain in contact with these people. So that's the add-on for the filmmaker if you do a documentary style film. That that's nice. Right? That, yeah. Um, and what about the guy that last year's, I think, was or the year before, my God, Kim Best, it should be the Kim Best Cat Film Festival, the one about the man who rescues cats out of trees and, and the relationship these people had to their cats and their worry and his charm. How about that guy? Right. And that film was called Please Rescue Me. And yes. A film that um, was about an arborist who's yes. also North Carolina who had rescued at the time over 250 cats from treetops. And he said that he was not so much rescuing cats as he was rescuing the rather, rather frantic yes. people. Yes, yes. And um, to the extent I've been in contact with him, I said, you know, what's happened like over the last year, Patrick, his name is Patrick Brandt, and he just said, not much new, except I'm just helping one kitty and one family at a time. And so that's sort of his, his It's so touching. Yeah. It is. Um, but back to your question also about what inspires filmmakers. I think that, um, you know, certainly one thing that I've been aware of in terms of the festival um, is there's a variety of styles and genres. Um, the documentary, the scripted narratives, the animations. I'm seeing, I think, more of the animations. Than- yes. Last year was heavily a lot of animated films, which is an art form, of course, all of its own. Yeah, but you know the scripted narratives, to the extent that I have tried those, um, are really sort of emancipating for a filmmaker because, especially during the pandemic, when I was not comfortable going and sticking a microphone in somebody's face and getting into their space with my film or documentary, I had to come up with concepts of surrounding cats. That's right. Um, which which um, sort of cast me into studying comedic film. Um, the crafting, what, what, what are, you know, comedy in part is a craft. And, For sure. Uh, you learn 
things about it and how to create a trajectory and a reveal at the end and everything. And so I would say narrated scripts allow um, a lot of filmmakers to come up with an untoward concept, perhaps, that you wouldn't see in real life, but that, you know, work out and you can play around with comedy and different things. So, um, you know, I've done it a couple times with, um, there's one that, you know, of Cat of Letters that had to do with a cat. Yes. But it's playing Wordle. That was uh, divine. And what about the one with the school children and the and these little children, like they were verbal, maybe they were four years old, and their depictions of the parts of the cat and the words that they decided was a tail or a whisker. It was adorable. Yeah, yeah. And you have a good memory, you know. And yes, there's some um, unforgettable terms. Um, one being whisker holders. These are the little dots on the snout of the cat where presumably somebody sticks the whiskers in when they're born. <laughs> and then if your whisker falls off, you just put another whisker in your whisker holder. Exactly. <laughs> well, this year we have a narrative film. And you're right, comedy is really useful. One year we there was a film narrative, meaning a script and actors and a director in which uh, a guy who turned out to be a charlatan was trying to channel the, the do a, an animal psychic thing for a couple with their with their cat. And it had a funny ending. And this year, there's somebody, it's an intervention, uh, presumably, for someone who is obsessed by cats, totally obsessed by cats. And it's charming. I mean, again, you're right. The reveal, what is the, so you set it up, you set it up, you play it out, and then boom, the ending is the reveal. And it's usually something that sort of tips you on, it tips the story on its ear. I mean, in, in your film this year, Insomnia, your fabulous white cat with the, the blue and green eye is depicted as having trouble sleeping, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's full of advice on in, for about insomnia from the cat. Well, yes, and he's actually initially mistaken for being a narcoleptic because he's right. sleeping all the time. And in fact, he um, argues um, that he's he's you know sleeping all the time because he's an insomniac, and so he's up all night. So it's a problem that he wants to get taken care of, and he's resolute in solving that problem. Um, <laughs> and his advice is so great, and then in the end, his advice to humans also, and it's so cute. It's lovely. I mean, they're they're creative and inventive and imaginative. I think that in the the modern day, whatever we mean by that, today, people are very comfortable taking lots of selfies, and then they're comfortable making little videos about things in their own life, it, including mostly, sadly, it seems to me, horrible behavior on airplanes, right? Everyone seems to have videoed yet another example of horrendous behavior on airplanes. But you can use, you if you're 18, you if you're, you know, I don't know, 78, you can use that same cellular device, mobile device, to make a little film about anything that that moves you. How about, how do you teach people how to make those title cards, Kim? Because you always have footage and then there's a title card or on screen, like old fashioned silent movies, you have what the cat is thinking or saying. How do you, is, is that easy for people to do? The thing about um, creating those script cards, that, that type of thing, is that anybody can do that um, at this point. You know, uh, the software that you can get that uh, is free for the most part. I happen to use Final Cut Pro 10, which is more advanced and you buy that sort of thing. Um, but <sighs> Anybody can get your entry-level software that um, does amazing things. So that should not be an obstacle at all for any filmmaker. 
someone like me who's technophobic, everything's an obstacle. But that's neither here nor there because I'm not a filmmaker. I'm a film curator. I'm a film gatherer. I'm a film passionate lover of films. So I just think it's really for anybody who's curious about how to make a film about cats should come to the Cat Film Festival October 21st at noon at the Village East Theater in the East Village in New York City. But also just for the joy of seeing the variety of ways in which people can best times two express who cats are in our world, what cats are really thinking, what cats are doing and why they're doing it. It's it, it, there's just a kind of a joyful community that, as in the way that you said, you have a community, Kim, from the various people that you've worked with over the years through Cat Films. I think that the people who come to the Cat Film Festival consider themselves part of a community. I hope they do, because we all do love, admire, and appreciate cats. And some of us are frustrated that there isn't more of that in society, right? We want to increase the amount of cat love that's out there and cat appreciation and cat respect, which is something missing yeah. in videos. They're disrespectful yeah. for the most part. Um, and people laugh and think they love cats. But if they stop to think about it, there's a mockery to it. Whereas if you see short films, each of them comes from a place of love, respect, uh, protection, feeling very protective. I mean, all the ones that have to do with rescue and TNR have a protective quality. There's also, for the first time ever, to celebrate this being the sixth annual New York Cat Film Festival, there's going to be a meow party the night before at the Meow Parlor, which is New York City and I think United States' first cat cafe. Now, Kim is going to be there because 100% of the ticket goes to the Meow Parlor. All of the cats there are adoptable. People come from around the globe to spend one hour at a time with the cats. But on Friday, October 20th, the night before the 6th Annual Cat Film Festival, at 5 o'clock, 12 people can come but now only 11 because Kim bought a ticket. And then at 6 o'clock, 12 people can come. And I hope that by the time you hear this, you will have grabbed a ticket. It's obviously not many tickets, and everybody gets an amazing swag bag full of great stuff from Dr. Elsie's and the book, Oh, It's You, Love Poems by Cats and the Grumpy Cat Wall Calendar and really wonderful catnip toys from Doyen World, which and just a lot of really great stuff for cat lovers. But the main thing is you get to hang out with each other and the cats. You get a lovely beverage and pastry from the meow parlor itself. And we support, therefore, their adoption. They take in cats from shelters that are happy to live in this communal way and have people come and hang out with them and watch them be cats, which is something Kim's movies are about. Just watch them be cats. And I hope you'll join us. I hope you'll join Kim and me and come and have share some of the, the cat love that is going to be all over New York City, October 20th and 21st. Kim, I'm so looking forward to seeing you and hanging a medal around your neck for the first time. The Cat Film Festival filmmakers who come to New York get a medal inscribed with their name and the year. And I should probably have two for you, but I know you're not greedy. So yours will have to suffice <laughs> for both your movies. Thank you so much for sharing, yeah. sharing these years with me. You're a wonderful woman and a wonderful cat lover and a great filmmaker. Thank you so much. 
And Tracy, likewise, I'm amazed at how you're able to muster so much energy and focus to organize everything you do. Not only the New York Cat and Dog Film Festivals, but the Radio Pet Lady interviews with a myriad of people on seemingly endless array of topics and you're even doing other animals now so um, <laughs> you're very kind kim i don't know where i get the energy either at some point i'm just going to topple over remember the guy on the tricycle um <laughs> on laughing he'd run he'd go race around on his little tricycle in the yellow macintosh those of you listening that aren't baby boomers just you know hum to yourselves you never saw laughing it was the greatest and then he would hit a tree at a certain point and crash and sometimes i think that's going to be me sometimes just a crash from exhaustion but <laughs> <laughs> it's a joy to be able to do all of it and to do it surrounded by such wonderful people. Thank you again, Kim. Okay, thank you, Tracy. I hope you enjoyed the show. There's a few more special companies that make the show possible, and I hope you'll try their products because they support my mission to entertain you with valuable information and advice. I want to thank Wonderside, founded by a woman entrepreneur who discovered an effective natural way of using plant-powered products to repel fleas, ticks, and other parasites on our pets instead of putting toxic chemicals in or on them. Wonderside makes it possible to protect your pets, children, and property without the chemicals that could be harmful to all of us. The show is also underwritten by Evermore Pet Food, privately owned by two dedicated women who take human edible, ethically sourced ingredients, and gently cook dog food that is then frozen in pouches and shipped right to your door. They founded and run their own company and answer only to their own high standards. Finally, we're supported by Magic Fabric Pet Throws, developed by a husband-wife team whose expertise in the textile industry solved the problem of their big hairy dog, Molly, who got on the couch in bed with them, despite her wet fur, muddy paws, and shedding. Sound familiar? They created machine-washable Magic Fabric Pet Throws to trap pet hair, dirt, and moisture, letting you enjoy dog and cat cuddle time without sacrificing your clothes, furniture, or decor. You can buy direct from the creators at magicfabric.com.